We are continuing a series entitled House of Miracles. Have you enjoyed the series that we're doing? It is awesome. So awesome. We are talking specifically about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, I have a strong bias about this subject. It is one of my favorite topics. I love when we get to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, his role in our lives, how we cooperate with him, the infilling of the Spirit that Pastor Terry shared with us in our first session, and then our testimonies, the experiences that we have with Holy Spirit that Pastor Stan shared with us in our second session. It has been, for me, 20 years of walking with Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I can't believe I can say that. It's 20 years this year. I was 11 years old when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it has been an adventure every day. I haven't always cooperated with Him, but every day I've learned something new, and He draws me into deeper relationship with Him. And being in communion with Him is the adventure, the greatest adventure in existence. And all of creation is cooperation and relationship with Holy Spirit. The reason this topic is so important to me, I believe it's so vital to the body of Christ, because I don't know if you realize, but the life that we are called into is a supernatural one. It's supernatural. If I want to raise supernatural kids, I need supernatural help. If I want supernatural finances, I need supernatural help. If I want to walk in the gift and the call of God on my life, I need supernatural help. And that requires my cooperation with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Amen. So tonight, I want to talk with you about what I believe Holy Spirit has worked most deeply into my heart in this time and this walk with him. There's specific things I believe he's done in my life um, that have touched every other thing. There's just a few things that through that revelation and through that work that he's done, it's touched every other thing. And so I want to begin by sharing with um, an experience I had a few weeks ago. So usually when I'm asked to speak, um, something is in my heart. I have a direction from the Lord within 48 hours. Um, The Lord speaks to my heart. I know which direction I'm going to go and I just, I go with it. I begin to study and flesh it out. This time, it was maybe almost into two weeks, and I still had no clue what I was going to speak about until we were on a trip. So a few weeks ago, it's probably April now, we loaded up, my husband and I loaded up our two little girls, and we took a 14-hour drive to Louisville, Kentucky to see my daddy, who I have not seen in 18 years. So my husband, yeah, give his glory be to God. This is awesome. Um... My husband had never met him. My daughters had never met him or any of that side of my family. And so we had a wonderful visit. I'm very pleased with how the visit went. There's such a rich, special time uh, for my husband, for my daughters, and for myself. And um, the the night after the visit, we were still in our hotel room, and it was 3 o'clock in the morning. The kids are sleeping. We're all in one queen-size bed together, if you can imagine. I got a 10-month-old and a four-year-old at the time kicking us, like, head down here and a foot up here. And anyway, the Lord called me out of bed, and um, I just began, I woke up with such thanksgiving in my heart, just so thankful for how this trip had gone, just overwhelmed. And I began to talk to the Lord, just thanking Him. Thank you for this time that we got to share. And And I I began to think about my life and what it took to get to that moment. And, you know, my dad was in and out of my life as a young person. And when he was in it, it wasn't always so great. 
Um, and there was a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that I had to navigate as a young person. And I was standing there in that hotel room, and I thought, you know, I have no bitterness. I have no bitterness toward my dad. I don't hold anything against him, and I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I just love him. I only love him. And I knew in that moment the reason why. It was because for year after year after year, the Lord had been working a revelation. Holy Spirit had been working a revelation on the inside of me that God was my father. You see, when I was a little girl, I remember laying in my bed crying, grieving. Why are things this way? Why are circumstances this way? This is not fair. Other people have these relationships with their dad. Why don't I? I felt like I was cheated somehow. And I would bring that over and over before the Lord in communion with him. Now I see that Holy Spirit was leading me to that place of communion. And he would speak to me. Oh, but that man, he's just a man. Your earthly father is just a man. I'm your dad. And the Lord says that same thing to us. I'm your father. And I trained my soul to come into agreement with that revelation. Every time I grieved, every time, you know, at my wedding, when my father wasn't there to walk me down the aisle, I trained my soul. Oh, but God is my father. I want us to go to... And that's, this is our relationship with Holy Spirit, that he is moving us into this revelation that God is our father. Oh, one more thing. One more thing I want to say. You know, I have an excellent father-in-law who is here tonight. He is a dream dad. He raised nine kiddos and my husband, and my husband is a gift from God. And he was raised by my father-in-law. He is an excellent father. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gave me an actual earthly example of what a good daddy is. Um, and I'm thankful that the Lord has restored me to relationship with my dad. It's awesome. But you know what I discovered? Even having an excellent earthly dad, everybody wants a daddy like our God. It doesn't matter how good your earthly dad was. He does not compare to the father that we have in the father. Amen. So let's go to Romans 8:15. We're going to be in Romans 8:15 for a moment. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So Holy Spirit is on the inside of you crying out, Abba, Father. So that is tonight's title. It's simple, Abba, Father. Tonight I want to talk about what that means and why it matters. So we are going to look at three points that we're going to move through of revelations that the Holy Spirit is unraveling on the inside of you as he cries out on the inside of you, Abba, Father. So I want us to begin by looking at a simple definition. You know, a lot of people believe that Abba simply means daddy. It's Aramaic for daddy. But there's so much more going on in the word Abba than just the word daddy. But that's a lot in and of itself. It's important that we know how to address the father in that intimate, tender relationship, that intimacy that comes with knowing that he is our daddy. He's your daddy. There's a level of intimacy there between a child and their father that the Lord is trying to convey through the Holy Spirit on an everyday basis. Every day you wake up, Holy Spirit is trying to draw you into revelation that God is your father. He's your father. So 
Abba, or Father, I believe, is one of the most important words you will ever utter. One of the most important words you ever utter. I was reading an article where this author um, was in an airport in Tel Aviv, and he encountered, um, he overheard this conversation going on in the bathroom. And what it was is a Jewish dad was speaking to his little boy. And in the course of their conversation, you know, the little boy had disobeyed, and the father was taking that moment to discipline him and teach him gently in love. And so this author is listening to their exchange, and the Jewish father says to his little boy, when I ask you to do something, I want you to call me Abba. And it struck this author that, well, Abba means it's communicating more than a term of endearment. It's not just daddy. There's something else going on here. And I want to propose that Abba is the most important word that we will utter. You know, I believe if you cannot speak to the Father, Abba, sincerely from your heart and really mean Daddy from your heart when you pray, then everything else that we speak is insubstantial. We have to begin with this revelation that we are talking to our dad. Jesus, when the disciples approached him and asked him, how do we pray? And these are Jewish men asking Jesus how to pray. These men have been praying for generations. Their fathers prayed. Their fathers' fathers prayed. All the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their fathers prayed. They know how to pray. And yet they are coming and approaching Jesus asking, how do we pray? Because we see that you have this special relationship with God. And he seems to answer your prayers. And he seems to always show up when you pray. So how do we pray? And the first words that Jesus utters to them is we have to pray saying, Our Father. It's foundational to our communication with the Lord. If we want to pray prayers of substance, we have to be deeply grounded in the revelation that we are talking to our daddy and he is talking to his child. Amen. Any children of God in the room tonight? Amen. We're in the right place. Woo. So what does Abba mean? If it's not just a term of endearment, what does it actually mean? Abba means father, I will obey you. I want that to sink in for a moment. Holy Spirit is crying out on the inside of you. Father, I will obey you. Holy Spirit is cultivating in us, number one, our first point, the authority of the Father. Authority. This, this is so important in our walk with the Lord, in our revelation, in our communion with Holy Spirit. We have to understand that Holy Spirit is trying to establish within us the authority of our Father. And that looks like Holy Spirit cultivating Abba's authority in us through both intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. And obedience. Think about that. Father, I will obey you. I call him daddy. I call him Abba. That's a term of endearment. It's intimate. It's tender. But I follow it with, I will obey you. That's obedience. That's respect. That's a yieldedness to my daddy. John 5, 19. Let's go to John 5, 19. Here's an example working in Jesus's life. And you see this over and over in the gospel. And John in particular, it says, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son 
also does in like manner. So we see that working, this revelation of I'm a son, but I obey my daddy. I have this intimacy with my heavenly father and I obey him at the same time in the same breath. You know, my daughter, um, I've taught her when I give her a direction, we don't just say, okay, okay. We say, yes, ma'am. It conveys respect. It's like, we, yes, we have the intimacy of you're my baby, but also I expect that you would respect me and honor what I've asked you to do. So it's yes, ma'am. That's why I grew up, I grew up in households where you said yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, to everybody. So I call everybody yes, sir, yes, ma'am. <laughs> that was just how I was raised. But it conveys more than just um, you're, you're my parent. It conveys I'm going to obey you out of a, a deep respect. They're two in the one. These are two sides of the same coin, this intimacy and obedience that the Holy Spirit is cultivating us when he cultivates God's authority on the inside of us. As I have grown up in Christ, I'm just this honest moment. Looking back on my life, I spent a lot of energy cultivating intimacy with the Lord. I'm a worship leader. That's what I did for a decade. I love to worship. I want to bring my sacrifice of praise to the house before the Lord. I can weep. I can cry. I can tell him all my business and I can listen to him. But I spent very little energy actually cultivating obedience in my life. And I wondered why I lacked power over sin. And I wondered why I saw so little fruit of the spirit in my life. It's because I had intimacy without a covenant relationship that yielded obedience in my life. And in order to bear much fruit that is long lasting, we need both. We need both intimacy and obedience. On the flip side of that, as a worship leader, I've encountered a lot of people that the idea of being intimate with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a place of struggle. They can't wrap their mind around how they can be intimate with someone that they cannot see. And I've had so many conversations with how do I grow in relationship? How do I grow in intimacy with the Father? And what I see happening in those lives is they will lean toward obedience. But that would yield in their life a lot of activity. Let me fill my plate and do a lot for him because I don't know how to be intimate with him. And that gets you in the opposite camp where you become a doer who doesn't know him. And that's why Jesus said, yes, I know you cast out demons in my name and you did all these signs and wonders and miracles. But depart from me because I've never knew you. He wants to know us. He doesn't want us to be good performers of his word. Servants can obey. He wants friends. He wants sons that know him. That's what we are invited into continually. Holy Spirit is inviting us into intimacy with and obedience to the Father. The blessing, and I want you to hear me, the blessing of God's authority. God's authority in our life is not a, oh gosh, you know, he says his burden is light. You know, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. His authority is a blessing. The blessing of a God's authority operate, operating in our life requires both intimacy and obedience. Okay? Number two. Number two revelation that I believe Abba Father being cried out on the inside of me. It worked out on the inside of me. Revelation of the anointing. Revelation of the anointing on my life. The anointing on your life. I don't know about you. I grew up in charismatic circles. You know, I wasn't always at victory. There was a dark world before victory life that I experienced. 
But, um, you know, when it came to the subject of the anointing, it was always this elusive mystery. Like, I don't know who has the anointing. Don't touch God's anointed. I don't know what that means, but I better not do it. Help me, Jesus. And I had all these thoughts like, can I lose the anointing? Am I going to offend the Holy Spirit? All of these thoughts, not understanding what the anointing was. So I want us to start simply with, and this is very simplified, the anointing is the power of God for any given situation. It's his power flowing in and through you for any given situation. And the number two thing I want you to understand, I want us to walk away with tonight is you are anointed. You are. There's not just special people. And that was a big revelation in my life that there's not just special people who are anointed for the work of the ministry, but every person who has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is anointed for the work of the ministry to make disciples, to go into all the world and make disciples. That's every person's call, not just a select few. We are anointed for something, unto something. Quickly, in Luke 4, 18 through 19, Jesus is reading from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. Everybody say, anointed me too. It's for something. Let's see what it's for. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. That's what Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you. That's what the anointing is for. It's for those around us. What does the cry, Abba, Father, have to do with your anointing? Let's make that connection. Let's settle in there. I want us to look at Matthew 3. 13 through 17 says when he had been baptized so jesus has gone to the river jordan his cousin has baptized him john the baptist just baptized jesus and in 313 we pick up with when he has been baptized jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and alighting upon him that's a picture of the anointing He is the anointed one. Christ is the anointed one. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Anointing and identifying as a son. They're hand in hand. The anointing of the Holy Spirit flows through sonship. That's why Holy Spirit witnessing on the inside of you, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. He is speaking to you. This is your access point to the anointing, to the power of the Holy Spirit. We could say it this way. As my revelation of God being my father deepens, my ability to walk in his anointing increases. The more I grow in revelation that I am a child of God, the more I am able to access his anointing for any given situation. Amen? That eliminates a little bit of that mystery. Now, there's, Holy Spirit's always going to be mysterious. If anybody tells you they know everything about Holy Spirit, they're trying to sell you something. Amen? <laughs> He's a mystery, and it, that's what makes him fun. But as our revelation of being sons increases, our anointing increases. Amen? Amen. Let's see where we are. <laughs> Number three. Oh, let me say this, too. A simple way to kind of wrap that up. The cry, Abba, Father, within you is beckoning you into your anointing. 
Holy Spirit crying out on the inside of you, Abba, Father, he is beckoning you to come and partake of the power that I have made available to you as a son. Okay? Number three, access. Number three, revelation that Abba, Father, on the inside of us is working in us is this idea of access. So we're going to go back to Romans 8. Romans 8, 16 through 17, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Say heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I want you to know you have access to a supernatural inheritance through Christ. And the Holy Spirit is continually beckoning you, beckoning you to partake of that access that has been made available. Amen. When I was a little girl, you know, I have, um, I have older siblings. They're my half-siblings. And so, I don't know, young, this came up when I was really young, but somehow the subject of their inheritances came up that they would receive a natural inheritance from their father. And I remember hearing that as a young child and thinking, well, I'm, I'm most likely not going to receive a natural inheritance from my father. And at that time in my life, the Lord took me to this passage that I want to share with you. It's Deuteronomy 18.2. So let me kind of give you some context. Um, we've got 12 tribes in Israel, right? Well, the Levites, we know they're set apart for the work of the tabernacle, right? They, they tend the tabernacle, the place of worship. They make the sacrifices. They clean the place. They keep it going 24 hours a day. They are in there serving. And all Levites do this. This is their responsibility. They train their sons to do it. Their sons train their sons. They tend the tabernacle. When the children of Israel move in the desert, it's the Levites that have to move it. Everything to do with the running of the tabernacle, of the place, the dwelling, place of the Lord, the Levites are responsible for. Well, this is what's spoken to the Levites that the Lord took me to as a young girl in Deuteronomy 18.2. It says, the priests, the Levites, all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. So all the other 11 tribes, they inherit actual land. But it says that the Levites, they get no part. They get no inheritance among Israel. They're the only ones, the set apart, the special ones <laughs> that get no inheritance, no land. I'd be like, well, that's lame. We're doing all this work, <laughs> taking care of your tabernacle and we don't get nothing. <laughs> says they shall eat. Oh, catch this. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his portion. They get to eat of the Lord's portion. Therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance. Say that. The Lord is their inheritance. Man, we are the New Testament tribe of the Levites. We continually tend the tabernacle. Everybody point to a tabernacle in the room. Can you find one? Here's one. There's a bunch. (laughs) We are the tabernacle of the Lord continually tending the fire of worship within ourselves. And he has set aside for us a portion that is God himself. We get to inherit God himself. It doesn't matter what I have in the natural. I have access to every good thing that my father possesses in the supernatural. 
every good thing in God has been made available to you through the Holy Spirit. And when he cries out within you, Abba, Father, he is crying out, access, access. You have full access to everything in Christ Jesus. If we want a house of miracles, it begins here with this understanding that, oh, he's my daddy and I have an inheritance in him. And everything that Christ did, I can do. What I see my father doing, I can do. What I hear my father speaking, I can speak. And if I need to go lay hands on the sick, I can see them recover because that is my inheritance in Christ. If I need freedom from any kind of mental hangups or bondage, I have it because I have access to an inheritance in Christ. If I need financial provisions or provisions of any kind, I have access because I have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Any need that you have, you have through your inheritance in Jesus. Everything. Woo, that's shouting words. It is. It's good news. Holy Spirit is crying out within us. Access. Access. So those are the three things. We, we talked about his authority. We talked about the anointing. And we talked about access. Holy Spirit crying out, Abba, Father, within us, is continually communicating those things to us. But it's an invitation we have to cooperate with and we have to respond to. Like, I responded easily to the invitation to intimacy, but not so much so to the, (laughs) the invitation to obedience. That's something I had to grow in and continue to grow in because none of us have arrived. This invitation is ongoing and there's always more. Amen? So quickly, I want to leave you with just a kind of list of how Holy Spirit does this. What is the how? What is the practical everyday application of what I can be looking for that Holy Spirit is doing to work this revelation within me? So number one, Holy Spirit comforts or helps us. We've touched on this in this series. Holy Spirit comforts or helps us. That's in John 14, 16. I'm going to move through this quickly, okay? As we go through this too, I just feel an unction too when I was preparing. I want you to begin to pray in the spirit. If you you have your prayer language, I want you to begin to pray even as we go through this list because I believe the Lord wants to do a work in us. In the hearing of the, the word, the hearing of the gospel, signs, wonders, miracles follow the teaching of the gospel. There are signs, wonders, miracles that the Lord wants to activate in this room because he wants to activate them through his tabernacles, through his temples, and that's you and I. Holy Spirit's moving right now. He's speaking right now. So as we go through this list, I want you to be mindful, be prayerful. Maybe there's something on the inside of you that he wants to do in another. That just brought something to my mind with the anointing. I'm going to take a moment to share this. I don't, I'm very organized. I don't like breaking my flow, but we're going to share this because I have time to. You know, I had a really good conversation with Pastor Stan. um, I think it was this week. And he was talking about being unintimidated by the anointing in others. And when he said that, I really just struck something on the inside of me that, yes, the anointing in others, I'm either going to learn from someone else's anointing or I'm going to directly benefit from it. Either I'll watch them flowing in the gift of healing and I will learn from it by watching them or I'll go to them and I'll receive healing when I need it from them. You know, only orphans compare anointings. When we begin to compare, we lock ourselves into orphanhood. Only orphans compare anointings one to another. 
But sons, they just walk in it. A son just knows they're a son. A son just knows they have access. A son just knows they have the authority of the father working on the inside of them. A son just knows they're anointed. And there's no comparison there. And if I see my brother or sister functioning in their anointing, then I get excited because I know I'm either going to learn from it or I'm going to benefit from it. Because your anointing is for me and my anointing is for you. Because we said our anointing is unto something. And there are, I need what you've got and you need what I've got. So there's no comparison in the kingdom. And if we can remove comparison, then we can walk in our anointing and freedom. I don't know about you, but I was born a timid girl. I was a timid little girl. And I was always afraid of walking in the fullness of what I knew God had called me to. Because I always had this, uh, the enemy say, who do you think you are? Go sit down. But when you know that you're a son, that voice gets silenced. And you walk in the authority, you walk in the anointing, you walk in the fullness of the call of God on your life. And you don't worry about if other people take it the wrong way because you are motivated by the love of the Father. And you know the anointing in your life is going to bless them. Maybe they don't want to hear it, but that's okay. I'm going to love them anyway. And I'm going to flow in my anointing anyway. Amen? So let's go back to our list. So it was a little, little off, off trail right there. We said, number one, Holy Spirit comforts. He helps us. Number two, Holy Spirit indwells us. Pastor Terry talked about that, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, number three, teaches us. It takes supernatural help to understand the word. When I was 11 years old and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, we were visiting my great uncle. um, And um, when I came back to church the following Sunday or within uh, some time right after that, I don't really remember, but I was, I had my little Bible. I was in main church, big people church with my mama. Sitting beside my mama, I had my little pencil to highlight like I always did. But, you know, I didn't know what we were talking about. I was just like, I got my pencil like mama does. And the pastor went to a passage in the Bible. And I had my blue pencil ready to, high, uh, to underline. And as he began to read it, the words began to jump off at the page to me for the first time. And I got excited, like, oh my gosh. And I couldn't stop underlining every word. This word is good. This actually means something. It applies to me. This isn't some dusty old book that all these people here read. It's awesome. And it's alive. Holy Spirit teaches us. We need supernatural help to engage with God's word. If we try to do it with our minds, we're not going to receive the fruit of it. We're not going to experience the fruit of it. Amen? Holy Spirit reminds us, John 14, 26. Man, like he just did a few minutes ago, reminded me about that thing, about that conversation that I had with Pastor Stan. He reminds us, and I'm so thankful for it. (laughs) Anybody thankful that he reminds us? Hallelujah. Holy Spirit testifies to us and through us. He testifies to us and through us. John 15, 26. Number six, Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I'm thankful that he convicts me of sin. I've learned to love the Lord's correction. I want correction because I want to get it right. And I want him to keep me on the path. So I look for him to convict me. He doesn't condemn me in my sin. And he doesn't leave me to figure out how to fix it. Because I cannot fix myself. It requires supernatural help to correct. Sometimes course correction requires supernatural help. But he provides it for us. Amen. Number seven, Holy Spirit convinces us. He both convicts and he convinces us. What does he convince us of? That we are righteous. 
He convinces you that you are a son. Nobody could tell me that I'm not a child of God. You could not talk me out of it. I am convinced. I know my dad loves me. I mean, th- I always think of Pastor Dwayne. This is a man who functions in his anointing, does he not? We have a wonderful teacher. He functions in his anointing, but all my life I've heard him say that the Lord has his photo in his wallet. Does the Lord have your photo in his wallet? Man, because I know that my photo is in his wallet, I know that he's with me, and I know that I'm his, and nobody can touch that. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that I'm righteous, and I'm convinced I'm truly holy, and that I'm a child of God. And so it is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. Amen? Number eight, Holy Spirit guides us. John 16, 13. That's big. He guides our steps. We need it every day. I used to think he would just give me little touchstones every five years. He'd give me, here, we're going to go here in the next five years. But no, he wants to guide us daily. (laughs) When I wake up in the morning, he's got steps for me today. And I want to hear what they are. That's why that ongoing daily communion with him is powerful. He's got stuff for you today. Not just five years from now, ten years from now, today. Um, Number nine, Holy Spirit reveals things to us. That goes back to the hand-in-hand hand of the teaching us. He teaches us. He reveals. He, he's the revelator. Holy Spirit is the great revelator who opens the word to us and causes it to make sense. He reveals truths to us. In the scripture in um, John 16, 13, that it says that he will reveal to us the things to come. He prophesies. He is prophesying on the inside of us, speaking to us so that we can walk prepared, that we can walk with insight and vision for the future. And number 10, Holy Spirit helps us to worship. Holy Spirit helps us to worship. This is probably one of my favorites. That communion with Holy Spirit. When we, like we did tonight, we yield our minds and our hearts to the Father. And it's just like nothing else, God. All I want is you. I yield to you. I want to speak what you speak. I want to do what you do. That is a lifestyle of worship. And that's available to us at all times. My favorite time to worship is when I'm washing the dishes. Because you got to bring something good into that awful awful thing that we have to do. I hate washing dishes. Hate it. But I've learned to, it has a little bit of a soft spot in my heart because it's a time I get to commune with the Father. And all those little tasks, those mundane tasks, the Lord wants to invade and he wants to make them a tabernacle of praise. He wants to invade your encounters with people at Walmart. He wants to invade you sitting down to write your budget. All those mundane, boring things that we have to do that the majority of the life, our life is made up of, honestly. If we're being honest, our life is made up of mundane moments. Those are the moments he is after. Amen. I believe when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived, I picture Mary just in her house doing dishes. And she had an encounter that changed her life forever. In the mundane, he met her and he conceived something through her that changed everything forever. The same way Holy Spirit came upon Mary to conceive a thing on the inside of her, he is still conceiving the kingdom of God on the inside of us so that we can birth the things of the kingdom into the earth, so that we can make this and call this a house of miracles. The miracles are going to be birthed in and through you. Amen? Did you receive anything tonight, y'all?